4,000 feet uh, speed, uh, 180 knots, one double check. Hi, this is Natalie Flygirl Kelly. I'm here with Fly Alyssa, and welcome to this episode of Cockpits and Cocktails. We are here with a student pilot, Anaya, as in Annihilate. <laughs> and we're going to hear a little bit about her story of flying, and she's a West Coast girl, which we don't get to talk to very much, so I'm interested to hear how she got into aviation and what her plans are Right now, we're dealing with this coronavirus thing, so we'll probably talk a little bit about how that's changed things up a little bit. Welcome, Anaya, to the podcast. I'm glad that we were able to connect. Thank you so much for having me. I'm super excited. Plus, it's the first time I get to be on somebody else's podcast. (laughs) Are you currently a pilot or? I am a student pilot. Okay. And and that's why I was like, like, I don't even know what to say because uh, I moved from, I was living in Santa Monica since 2007. I moved here nine months ago, almost 10, in order to complete my flight training. And I basically changed my whole life. Like I'm a DJ, I'm a singer. I used to sing in five-star hotels in Asia. Uh, And I do contracts three to six months at a time in each hotel. And uh, in 2008, that industry really went to poop and they started offering a fraction of the pay to the point where it just wasn't worth it anymore. And I started DJing more locally. um, And so when I moved out here, I was literally driving to Los Angeles three times a week uh, to keep that type of income with the Palm Springs cost of living, which is much lower, in order to finish my training. And I started an Airbnb in my apartment with our spare bedroom, and it was doing great. And then when the coronavirus thing happened, There are three events that make up the entire year of uh, setting businesses up here, which is the BNP Tennis Championship, which is, uh, or or tennis tournament, which is huge. It's tennis stars from all over the world. Oh, yeah. Yeah, I love tennis, so I know all about that. Gotcha. And (laughs) Coachella and Stagecoach. And they all got canceled. And my Airbnb literally had 100% cancellation. So I I lost several thousand dollars there. And then I DJ at a casino still locally. And I work at an FBO at a small private airport uh, close by. And uh, the casino said they had no... uh, no plans of closing, but the next day, two other casinos closed. So I'm afraid that they will close. I ended up basically having to cancel all my scheduled flight lessons. And it took me a year to set myself up after the pause that I already took. So I'm I'm feeling pretty discouraged right now. Discouraged and, you know, yeah. That, that sums it up. <laughs> yeah. 
So how did you, um, what made you want to get into aviation? You had a very different kind of career path. So what, what made you change your direction? Well, ever since I was a little girl, I used to say that I wanted to be a flight attendant and a veterinarian. I'm 47. Uh, so growing up in the 70s, I never saw a woman pilot. <laughs> I'm 40. I'll be 47 in just a few days. <laughs> you but, uh, but that's why I started a little later. I just didn't even know it was a possibility. And then once uh, I started having problems with the contracts and all that kind of stuff, uh, that it wasn't worth it, I was like, well, I've always wanted to do this kind of stuff. I started like driving for Lyft and Uber on the side in Los Angeles just to try to figure out my next steps. And uh, I had a couple of pilots in my car. <laughs> ah, uh-huh. And one of them was a female pilot and she was really encouraging. And out of that conversation, I ended up setting up uh, an appointment at a flight school at the Santa Monica airport, which at the time was, I, I lived under the downwind. <laughs> uh, uh-huh. So, uh, it was great. I mean, I was, I knew instantly that I had to be a part of this and I started flying. I did, uh, a bunch of lessons in a bunch of different places. I ended up flying in like five different airports with like seven different instructors while I was finding the right thing. And then I found this school out here and I moved all the way out here. My husband uh, moved out here with me. He's been super supportive and part of it was his idea and and he was he's been really encouraging. So I'm lucky that I have someone who's willing to do all this crazy stuff with me. And then so when this happens, it's not just my dreams that are getting uh, put on hold or possibly worse. I mean, I, I don't even know. I don't I don't want to be pessimistic or doom and gloom like I love this this is I mean this is my living room and <laughs> yeah <laughs> so uh, ideally being a warm weather creature uh, and a tropical creature i love to the reason I reached out to you because was because you had this picture of a seaplane and I would uh, in a perfect world do work for a for a seaplane airline doing some island hopping and tropical weather I want to fly in shorts <laughs> yeah me <laughs> too <laughs> joke yeah, my, my, but I totally think we should just start our own seaplane touring and Island Hop Company, we can live in Florida, we can live anywhere really. And but we could be like this female based pilot um operation. Operation. I mean, yeah, I think yeah, it'd be yeah. really great. And because every time I go to like the beach on vacation, I'm like, oh, it'd be beautiful to be flying over this. Um and my first thought of that was when I was in Mazatlan, Mexico. Well, when I was doing my training, my my instructor there had flip-flops on and shorts, yeah. and I was like, this is something I could get used to for sure exactly yeah flip-flops and you know the big like it's 
I, I think somebody yelled at me one time when I was, I posted a picture of flying barefoot um, and they're like, oh, that's so dangerous. You could cut your feet or, you know, whatever. And I was like, well, as long as you check the pedals beforehand and make sure there's nothing that's going to cut you or, you know, and they, they, they mentioned like, oh, what if a fire happened or something? And I'm like, well, that would melt your shoes anyways. So, you know, <laughs> yeah. you know so whether you're right. wearing a sandal or, you know, whatever, but that's like my favorite thing is like flying barefoot. I love the feeling, especially tailwheel. I just feel like it's so finicky. You know, you just have to be on it. So I've never flown barefoot, actually. I don't know oh. if I can do that. No, it's summertime. Oh, like, that's my favorite thing. Like, I just take my shoes off, maybe a little TMI, but I flew and it was so hot out one day and I was going hiking in uh, the Ozarks. And I was like, it's so hot in here. So I like take off my, it, it was like an SPF long sleeve, but I had a sports oh, bra yeah. on. So I'm like taking it off. I'm like, well, nobody can see me. So like, <laughs> who cares? Right. right? So I All put right. it on before I landed, thankfully, because there was a uh, young Eagles event going on at the airport that I was flying into. And I had no idea. And I was like, why are all these people at the airport? <laughs> <laughs> An influx of people watching my terrible landing, you know? <laughs> yeah. So you, you had actually reached out to me about being on your podcast. Tell me about your podcast, how that got started. You know, your website, Chicks Who Fly. That's what it's called, right? Yes. What is that all about? What was the purpose of all that? Well, when I was living in Santa Monica and I had been flying and I decided to take a short break so that I could set myself up to just go consistently and to, until the check ride, I wanted to stay involved in the aviation community because I didn't just want to fall away or lose focus. Uh, so I was already a member of the 99s in Los Angeles and... Uh, I decided that it was a really great way to stay involved in the aviation community, but also, and I think uh, more importantly, like I mentioned before, I didn't pursue aviation earlier in my life because I didn't know it was possible for a woman. And I still to this day, I hear a lot of people say that. So I felt like if I bring the stories of women pilots and put them out there, uh, the more people can see that there are these badass women doing kick-ass stuff in aviation and everywhere from airlines to general aviation. Seaplanes. Cool yeah. <laughs> yeah. So I just thought that I, the more you normalize it, the more you get people's stories out there, the more you can let somebody be inspired by it because I was inspired by somebody who got in my car and told me I'm a pilot and this is an amazing career and and this is a real possibility for you it's not some you know extraordinary circumstance that you know it's it's normal it's attainable and people are doing it and you can too so I wanted to put that out in a more uh in a way that reached more people. <laughs> so I don't know about you guys, but I feel like, like you said, you met people when you were driving Uber on the side or, you know, Lyft or whatever. And when do you bring up that you're a pilot? Because there's the joke, like, how do you know there's a pilot in the room? And it's like, ah, oh, they'll tell you. 
So uh, it's just kind of a funny thing with me. It's like it always comes out because it's not like I'm trying to be like, oh, I'm a pilot. I want to impress you. It's more like I'm a pilot and I can do this and anybody can do this. And it's it's and they're just always amazed by it, you know, and I was like, well, it's so simple. It's just finding that avenue. It's just like being a firefighter. You might think it's really extremely hard to do that until you know somebody that's been on that path and kind of show you. So I think that's what's unique about female pilots is like we're showing everyone that we can do this and supporting each other in this weird social media crazy kind of way. So there's a pug behind you. Oh my gosh. <laughs> do you fly with your dog? Um, they've never actually flown. I, I owned my own aircraft for a while, but it was like an hour and a half away. And then having two of them, I didn't want to separate them and they get a little anxious when you do that. And so I've just never taken them flying, but I think it's going to have to be like the perfect day, not hot, not cold because they are such short. I have a Frenchie as well. So they're short faced and so, um, breathing and anxiety and I just don't want to upset them. So I'd have to take somebody else with me to calm them. And I don't know, I just, I, I, I would love to be able to, but I also like, don't want to make it a dangerous situation in the cockpit. So I think that's definitely the first and foremost, like, I don't want them jumping on my lap on final, you know, so there's all these complications you kind of have to watch out for. So true. Absolutely. But that was also one of the things when I when I had my first meeting ever that I went to the flight school and I got to like look at the different aircraft and talk about what it would look like to start flight training. The owner of that school was doing flights for a cat rescue organization who actually helped me get two out of my three cats. Oh, I have three, and one of them uh, was, he's a tripod. Uh, I found him outside uh, in the parking lot of my building in Santa Monica after being hit by a car. He was rail thin, had no fur, and was probably days away from death. And uh, I reached out to a friend of mine who volunteered for that organization, and they helped me get him you know, medical attention and all that kind of stuff. But that's definitely one of the things that I would most love to do with uh, even a private pilot certificate is help out animal rescue organizations because animals are important to me. So Yeah, sure. I don't know what the requirements are for like pilots and paws. I know I've looked it up before, um, but I don't, I think it's just private pilot and, have you had any experience? I think it, um, yeah, because I think I'm actually signed up with them. I think you need like 250 hours. Yeah. I don't remember if you need to be instrument rated or not, but so. it's pretty easy, pretty easy to get join their list of pilots that are available. I've never actually done one of those flights, and I'm not really sure why, but I think they put post opportunities in your area, and you can either sign up or not sign up. So I think it's great. I mean, you know. I've gotten a message before, like just somebody asking because they knew I was in Illinois. You know, they they would transfer a, an animal from Florida to Nashville and then Nashville to Chicago or whatever. And I was like, absolutely, I'd love to help. But yeah, it's I think it's just this great band of people that 
can kind of transport and see where you can help and that kind of thing. So, yeah. So Anaya, tell me um, how, on how are you, how do you fund your flight training and um, what are some of the challenges that, that you've faced, um, you know, being 47, being a career changer, what, what are some of the obstacles you've had to overcome? I think for me, uh, what comes with being 47 is a large amount of responsibility <laughs> True. Uh, yeah. fi- financially and also with my time. Along with and lots of knowledge and beauty. <laughs> <laughs> yes, definitely. <laughs> um, Wisdom. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And, and also I think that part of the benefits are, I think, I know myself so much more intimately than I did when I was younger and I'm so much more comfortable with myself and that, and I'm comfortable being direct and taking charge of, of my training and of of being vocal when something works or when something doesn't work. So, but some of the challenges I faced in my flight training have had to do the first school that I that I started flying at was in Santa Monica. Loved the school, loved uh, the instructor that I was paired with there, who was female. Like I, I tried a couple other ones, which I also really liked, but she was like just such a great fit. But for me, that school, it was a lot more expensive than other schools around. And I have a cousin who was finishing up his flight training at that time and who's now flying uh, for Boutique Air. So he was like really encouraging me to go ahead and look for other options for schools that were close by uh, that would financially allow me to finish more quickly. So I heeded his advice and started looking. I found someone that I loved as well. And she was in Las Vegas and I did a few flights with her. Um, We did a short cross country flight from Las Vegas to Grand Canyon West. And that was one of the most spectacular flights I've ever actually landed there. Actually. Um, When I did my uh, Colorado West trip, um, we landed uh, at Grand Canyon. Is there a big hotel right there nearby? Um, it's like a Grand Canyon National Park hotel or something? I believe there is. We didn't leave the 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 airport, but we got out, we walked around, and it was also unique in that it was a year and a half ago. There's your other dog. They're really cute. <laughs> <laughs> so, so we went... Um, we walked around and there was snow because it was a year and a half ago when there was snow at a time that was not normal in Vegas and in the Grand Canyon. So I actually have footage of the Grand Canyon with snow. Oh, cool. Yeah. That was really fun. That's my husband. thing. Yeah. Yes. And my husband was in the back seat and then on the way back. <laughs> We were we were practicing power on stalls, but we forgot to tell my husband what we were doing. Oh, he was uh, like, oh, my God. Yeah, 
going on? Yeah. Split second, he was like, oh my God. <laughs> realized it was a maneuver that we were practicing and, and he was fine. <laughs> oh my. You know, I like what you said about, um, and it really stuck with me. I wrote it down a little bit because I, when no, I, I trained I'm at a school that has a lot of young college students that are training and one of the things I found is that they'll stick with an instructor that doesn't really fit them very well for a long time before they, I don't know if it's, you know, you said something about your, because of your age, you're, you're able to kind of identify and be more direct about what your needs are. And they have a little bit harder time doing that. And I feel like that is a huge bonus. Cause I'm like, why are you still training with them? If you don't like them and it's not working, speak up, say something. It doesn't have to be personal. You just, it's just not a good fit. Yeah. And that's actually what happened. I, I had found, uh, I couldn't keep flying with the instructor in Vegas because we tried to move there so I could finish my training there. But honestly, Vegas was like a little crazy. Like every time that we were going to apply for a house, there were like five, six, seven other applications on the house. Uh, and I, don't love living in Vegas. Like I prefer to visit. And I was like, I don't want to live here that badly, (laughs) you know? So uh, I found a school that was actually really affordable at an airport in the Valley, uh, in San Gabriel Valley. And I started flying there. That's a part 141 and part 61 school. Um, And the instructor that I was paired with uh, I flew with him pretty regularly, wasn't improving that much. Uh, there was a little bit, I, there were little things that he would say. He was from Asia and I spent a lot of time in Asia and I know like culturally, you know, there's a formality and a certain way of communicating. And he basically would make comments, uh, like, I really like people who are very formal and very proper, which is so not me. So, you know, he would make comments like that. And he would also say, well, because my favorite student, you know, and stuff like that, that was also clearly not me. Uh And, you know, I don't need to be everybody's favorite, but I was like, why are you bringing this up in our life? (laughs) You know? And then, uh, One day he went away for a vacation and he recommended a different instructor um, who was also, I think he was Egyptian. Uh, And what I like about that, the the cultural habits of the Egyptians is is the directness. Uh, And he was really direct. I used to be a professional dancer before I started singing and doing music professionally. So I was used to teachers, you know, poking at you and being direct and, you know, kind of yelling at you. (laughs) Trying to fine tune everything. Yeah. And, And also just holding you to a very high standard. And this, person wasn't holding me to a very high standard and it almost felt like he his position was well you're a you're you're not a part 141 student so it's kind of my job to just kind of fly you around and not really do that much okay and then uh when I flew with the other guy 
he was really direct. He was like really holding my feet to the fire over everything from pre-flight to run up to the stuff we were doing in the pattern. And I had like a few really good landings and I hadn't managed to do that at all with the other guy. And the minute the lesson ended, I was like, I can't keep flying with that guy. I am throwing my money away. <laughs> yeah. Uh, and yeah. this guy was not a regular teacher there. He had already gone off to the regionals. So he wasn't an option for me to fly uh-huh. regularly. So then I started like searching for somebody else. And I have a friend who's a captain for Gamma Aviation who hooked me up with someone at Van Nuys Airport. And I started flying with him. And that guy was... Uh, really cool personality wise we got along really well but at that point I started having problems financially to fly as often as I needed to and I think that was also frustrating him as my instructor so then the dynamic wasn't as good anymore and I had a couple like scary moments we went from Van Nuys to Burbank to do some touch and goes and got in the jet stream of someone in front of us a little bit and the left wing went like boom like really hard and and he like started yelling at me and but not in in a way of you know holding my feet to the fire but in a way that to me just wasn't productive and Mm -hmm. I said if I gave you the impression in any way shape or form that I think that I know something like I know I don't know shit I don't know if I could say that on your podcast but I I know that I don't know anything I'm here to learn but uh you know I'm not trying to come off like you shouldn't be telling me what to do but I mean like there were like a couple of times like that we had another I, I was also flying a Grumman trainer there so I had you know I've flown Piper Cherokees and 172s and then I I wanted to maybe buy a Grumman Tiger because I was told, you know, of all these benefits and also that it was more affordable to maintain and stuff like that. And once I was flying in the, in the trainer, because it was what they had, I was like, I love it. I loved the canopy. I loved being able to leave it cracked open. I loved the kind of visibility that you have when you're flying with a canopy, Uh, really easy to spot traffic and you have a great So. They've flown in one of those, but they um, there's someone, a friend of mine that actually owns one. It looks like it'd be pretty nice with the visibility and everything you've got in that plane. plane. Yeah, and yeah. it was really cool. Really? Uh, uh, because he started getting frustrated with me, that's when I decided I'm going to take a break. I took my written exam. I prepared online. I used M0A. I got an 87. And that's why now it was go time. Uh, I, on January 21st, uh, it, it's been a year since I passed my, my written. So I was, I had set myself up to go, go, go. I had set up my lessons with my instructor here. Who's great. He's a retired pilot. He has like a million hours. He still does some corporate flying. Uh, the school is in the airport that I work at and, um, it was perfect until coronaviruses hit my my businesses so hard. Yeah, 
Yeah. So As what employed person, you don't have yeah. a timeline or something like that. <laughs> yeah. So yeah, I totally get it. And, you know, I just took 10 days off to be at my best friend's wedding in Scotland. I get back and the world's upside down. And now I'm taking off another two weeks um, because that's my responsibility and safety um, to take off. And I really haven't broke that news to them yet. Uh, so that's on my agenda today. But uh, yeah, I think it's just taken everybody and flipped us all upside down and flight training. And I, I, you know, I said the silver lining of all of this having to stay home because Natalie knows I do not slow down and I do not stay home. So I'm like the silver lining is that, hey, I can sit down for the next two weeks and I can study my IFR and commercial um, and, you know, put it to good work. And that's right. And we talked on our last um, podcast earlier today about how it's kind of a godsend that maybe maybe this is God's way of telling us that we all need to slow down and take a few breaths, take a step back, and everything will be restored and hopefully even better than before. But I think it's just, I, I'm taking it as a blessing to have some time to recoup and, you know, maybe clean and do some things around the house. But I know we'll all lose our mind a little bit just because it's the fear of the unknown. But I also think that it's, it's good for us. And plus we're not used to not doing things. So that's always kind of like, what? No, I, I feel so unproductive, but yeah, um, hopefully we can uh, make a positive uh, use of the time and um, you know, it'll all turn out. Okay. Um, so what, yeah. Anaya, what is your plans with the aviation? Are you wanting to fly professionally or what um, as a hobby? What were you, what were your, what's your vision? So that's a great question. I have a few things that I'd be interested in. Um, one of the possibilities is to have an entertainment, you know, business uh, based around a YouTube channel that involves music and aviation. There's a project that I've been working on for a little bit uh, that I'm really excited about and that would combine those things and me being more of an entrepreneurial type of person and having been self-employed my whole life, I think that would probably be a better fit than something else. But I would also really enjoy perhaps doing something like a, a seaplane airline, uh, you know, where I get to fly in shorts with my hair down and, and in the tropical weather, I miss the tropical weather. Like California is not warm enough for me and it's really dry, which is terrible for the skin, but my hair appreciates it. So, <laughs> but, um, but yeah, whether it's an entrepreneurial venture or something like that, I, I can just see myself more doing uh something related to seaplanes and my, my husband and I are actually wanting to buy a boat to live on and do oh, so. Cool. Yeah. I was recently reading, um, you know, I had this seaplane scholarship thing that I put out and I've, I've got it narrowed down to about five different candidates. And one of them had mentioned that um, she met, she was actually a boat captain and she met her boyfriend because he was a seaplane pilot. And she thought that was just the, 
greatest combination, kind of like being on a boat, you can land anywhere, but also flying and just combine these these two element, elements. And I thought, that is so cool. What, what I love to hear about is something that you had talked about was just all these different ways you can combine kind of your gifts and your interests. Uh, you know, you, you mentioned you're an entrepreneur and coming up with ways to combine all those things that you really love. I like to put those things out there so people don't just think I'm a pilot, so I'm going to fly for American. Right. You know, there's all these other things that you can do with that. Absolutely. And the more people I've interviewed on my podcast, the more different approaches I see, too. And um, I'd like to get people on with as varied backgrounds as possible so that people can see exactly what you're talking about. Like some of the coolest people that have been the most inspiring to me have been people who are not necessarily on the path of I'm going to be in an airline or, or even I had this woman who was so cool. She, um, she's a captain for FedEx and she talks about how they get to fly horses and whales and dolphins animals. And I had another person who flew cargo who used to fly with her dog, you know, and, and it was the best part of, for her of being able to do that gig was getting to fly with her dog in the plane all the time and stuff like that. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I think, you know, Alyssa loves her, her career. She's built a good business as a hairstylist and I don't feel like you have to, you don't have to give up some things that you really enjoy in order to do this thing. You just got to find a way to, to bring them together. Yeah. You find that like what works. Cause you know, my job pays for my flying at the time. And, you know, I've always thought like, Oh, I'd love to do something in aviation as a career, but what's going to make me the money that I make now, give me the freedom that I have now to travel as much as I do and to make it all work. So I think it's, everybody's story is so different and unique in that way. And I think you'll find something that you love as well and find that perfect spot for you. Yeah. Do you you plan on going to get your instrument as well after you finish your private? Yes. Like I want to do private instrument commercial and then do the seaplane right away so that I can be commercial seaplane. You and I are going to be fighting for the same jobs. (laughs) (laughs) Or maybe you'll be, we'll be on each other's shows and in each other's. That's right. Yes. We can come up with our own uh, seaplane pilot, female seaplane pilot video YouTube channel. Look, there's three of us. We could be like Charlie's Angels. Right. You could be singing. You could be singing or dancing and, and I'll be like. Um, you could be our stylist too. You I'll be flying in to cut everybody's hair. Yes. <laughs> I've always had this dream of Hair Force One, oh, yeah. and you know, to like fly into these like places and do like hair for a day, like guest stylist. And um, I think it'd be a lot of fun. I actually, I've had this big dream of, and I have to make it happen that I want to start somewhere, just like in California, have my airplane and. I will start with, you know, $2,000 and see, you know, I'll fly to the next place. I'll make enough money to get enough fuel to fly to the next place, make enough money to fly and just kind of be that gypsy flying around, doing hair, making, you know, connections with people and, and not really asking for yeah. you know, money to do hair, but just asking for fuel money and, 
you know, and, and then at the end, if there's money left, I would give it all to charity. So I think that would be Air Force One is going to happen one of these days, but. <laughs> That's really cool. I love that. For, for me, part of the combining everything is I have a duo with my husband. My husband's a, a musician. We met, we were friends for 14 years before we became a couple. We met on a gig. I was replacing his normal singer when she needed to take a day off. And I really like the kind of stuff musically that my husband and I do together. So so the project that that I bought the domain name for that I want to work on that I mentioned earlier is called Tiny Airplane Concerts. Okay. So my idea is flying to different places, documenting the general aviation flights, uh, and... Uh, then doing local concerts and jams with musicians who are in the different places and, you know, combining like a travel and adventure and general aviation thing with the music that we do. And we also want to do that on the boat, you know? Yeah, I love that. And yeah, there's been some like a couple of years, the past couple of years, I wanted to organize some kind of fly in for women kind of, you know, to bring women in, it's no no problem getting men pilots to fly into certain things for hot dogs and hamburgers. But I've got this vision now, y'all, with the the Hair Force One and the music and how we can bring all this together to these fly-ins would be really cool. Well, it's funny you say that because last year in the fall, someone had asked me to host a all women's fly-in in Kentucky, and. I'm hoping that with all of that's going on with the world that we can make it happen this year in the fall. It's kind of a really cool venue that they want to have it at. And it's at a little grass strip. And uh, I think it'd be a lot of fun, like camping out. We could have music. We could, we could have all these things and collaborate all of our, you know, I love that talents. And I think um, women, especially like, like we were talking earlier that, we do all the things. Women are multifaceted and we don't, we're not just pilots. We're not just moms. We're not just, we do it all. So I think those kind of connections would be amazing to do a fly in weekend and just everybody get to shine in their own ways and just connect. That'd so. be so fun. I'm in. Let's do it. Yeah. That would be really fun. And honestly, one of the things that's been inspiring and heartwarming for me has been how supportive women in the aviation community are with each other. I had that in Florida. I live here now. I've lived in on the West Coast since 2007, but I'm originally from Puerto Rico, and I did live in South Florida for 12 years. And there was a group of women singers that was so supportive, and it was such a great community. And I'm finding the same thing with the women aviators uh, in the on the lift page on Facebook and and different women aviator groups, where I mentioned I posted yesterday, you know, like some of how I feel discouraged about how hard uh, some people are getting hit, and you know, people were sharing other people who were also hit hard, flight instructors, and but the whole atmosphere was an atmosphere of encouragement and support and camaraderie which is so needed in the world in general so it's nice that there's that it's happening here you know right 
Yeah, I saw your post, by the way, and I was going to say um, that I was trying to think. I was like, what can I say to encourage her? You know, it, it's just constantly like this. So you can't. It's give always up. evaluating. It, it may be take longer than what you had planned, but Never it could still it. happen. And that's going to make it all the more sweet, you know, when you actually ride it out and um, try to make the best of it and just keep at it, you know. Thank you for that. And and in the spirit of trying to find, it's just so surreal that it's hard to wrap my head around everything that's happened. You know, like, I feel like I'm living in a movie right now. You know, like, I don't know if you remember that 90s movie with Rene Russo, Outbreak. And it was in the 90s and Rene Russo was in it. And I kind of feel like we're living a version of that. Uh, so part of it is just the surrealness of it. But in looking for opportunities, because my husband and I do want to buy a boat to live on. And like for me, an ideal life looks like we get to fly to our gigs. We live on a boat in a marina that's close to a, a, a seaplane port. And, you know, we get to combine tiny airplane concerts with living on a boat and with our music and, and with these amazing communities and activities right like that to me would be like a super exciting life so yeah. where's the opportunity yeah I literally went to my building office this morning and asked them we have two months left on our lease here and we're trying to buy a trailer and trying to get them to let us out of our lease just one month early which is a small loss for them it's really a win-win situation because most people in Palm Springs depend on the tennis tournament, tournament on Coachella, on Stagecoach, and on these casinos. Mm-hmm. This is literally the entire economy of of this area. So a lot of people are not going to be able to pay their rent. So if I can be just like, I'm going to leave this apartment for someone who can, who's not going to be impacted and move into a trailer. That way I can go like this with my costs and make it easier to get into a boat by the end of the year. Like I'm, I'm trying to find that kind of opportunity. I love your free spirit and your willingness to put all of your focus on what you're driven to do, because I think so often people We'll just stay in the same place and the same thing and never give up anything. And I think in this world, you always are having to give up something to get to the next place. And whether that be bright and shiny things we've always been used to, like a really big fancy house, or whether it be traveling as much or um, relationships, I think we're all giving and taking to get to the place we want to be and it's good that you have that in perspective and that you can, you know, not have this big, bright, shiny house and fancy car so that you can make something else happen in your life. And I, I respect that because I kind of went through that transition myself. And, you know, I live in a place that's pretty small and very, very affordable. And like a month ago, I was like, oh, I really want to move into a better space and a better home. Because I, I'm like, oh, I'd, I'd stay home more often if I had a nice space. No, I wouldn't. I'd still be traveling. I'd just be limited more because of the money. And I'm like, okay, so pay $400 more a month. That's five hours of flying. So, nope, I'm not going to do that. <laughs> <laughs> it's like, okay, we all have to give and take a little bit. And, yeah. and time even, just taking the time 
uh, to study, to train, to, you know, put it towards your passions. And you'll never get to those things unless you're willing to adjust to everything happening around you. Absolutely. I love our apartment here. And, you know, in Santa Monica, we had a 375 square foot apartment that we were paying $2,000 a month for. Exactly. (laughs) (laughs) That was my jaw dropping. (laughs) (laughs) So here we found a place that's really beautiful. It's a thousand square feet. It's a two-two with every amenity imaginable for $1,400. So, you know, I'm comfortable. I have a walk-in closet, people, you know. Yay! Like, (laughs) I uh, record my my podcast because it's just audio. There's carpet and then there's clothes, so it makes for good sound. Yeah. I don't know if you've seen Natalie doing this, but she's done this. <laughs> I've done it in the closet. Yes, I have. Okay, I'm not alone. So, I mean, I love our apartment. I love it. But definitely freedom and adventure are some of, like, my most core values, and my husband shares that. So it's perfect that my partner in life and in crime is someone who's willing to give up these comforts and these things in order to have the chance to have that freedom and that adventure that I want, that, that we want. And, and also I just think that because a lot of people don't feel that way, they don't realize how much, how important that is. They think it's stuff, stuff, stuff. And it takes a while because I've been one of those people too, to figure out all that stuff isn't really making me happy. It's the experiences. Right. Right. I, I want to, I, so many of the things we've been talking about are important. I I value slowing down. I miss the time in my life where I used to spend time at home cooking for my friends and hosting people. And now with the Airbnb that we've been having in our spare room, we've gotten to connect with really cool people and we make them coffee in the morning and we get to, I miss that. And that's part of what I want to bring into my life. But also I just think that when you travel, you get to really connect with so many more different types of people and different types of lifestyle and cultures. And I think that naturally just makes you a more empathetic person. And I think that's the thing that's the most lacking in this world true. nowadays. That the is way true. that people think it's acceptable to treat each other, first online, but now really in person too, I, I'd like to bring some humanity to humanity. And I think that using music and travel and adventure to create more empathy in the world is pretty much the most inspiring and exciting thing that I can think of doing with my life. That is true. All right. We need to wrap up. So we want to keep it under an hour. So I'm going to um, ask you, where can people find out more about you Anaya, and what what can people do to, to help support one another? What would be your number one thing that you would ask of people? Well, you can find me at chickswhofly.com, and I also have inaya.com. Uh, I-N-A-I-A is how you spell my name. Uh, and from Chicks Who Fly, you'll find links to you know YouTube and Instagram and all the different ways I try to connect with people. 
And I just think that the best thing that we can do is keep supporting each other. Like we're all going through it. We're all getting hit by global events and by personal events. And it's really important to just have compassion and empathy and support and, and try to help people see the opportunities uh, in what is seemingly a tragedy or a problem. Uh, because there's always that hidden, you know, gift and that hidden opportunity. And, and like Mr. Rogers said that his mom used to say to him, whenever you are watching news coverage of like horrible things and stuff like that, look for the helpers. There's always a helper and they don't get all the glory and all the interviews and all that stuff, but there, there are helpers in there. When, when a shooter went into that club in Orlando and killed a bunch of people. There were people who were going in and out and pulling out more people when there are fires, when, when there's anything, there's always a helper. So focus on the helper and be a helper. Be a helper. Yeah. Bring more empathy into the world because we're all in this together. Definitely. Yeah. So thanks for being on here, Anaya. We have appreciated you and we will continue to follow you and and give you as much light and um, support as we can. And thank you. Uh, thanks for everybody listening. This is Cockpits and Cocktails. I am Fly Alyssa and Natalie Fly Girl Kelly. And we appreciate all of you. And if there's anything we can ever do for you, please reach out to us at Cockpits and Cocktails. Thank you. Those <laughs> are awesome. And I'll reach out to both of you because I'd love to have you each on uh, or maybe even do a three-way uh, episode yeah. for, for my show because you guys are awesome. And, and thank you for everything that you do. It's, it's oh, really thank great. You. All right, girls. Hope you stay healthy and stay healthy. get lots of toilet paper. <laughs> no, girl, I ordered a day. Duh. <laughs> I was like, like people going crazy over toilet paper. Get a bidet or hop in the shower. Like, I I ain't got time to go to five stores to get toilet paper. Uh, nope. No, <laughs> that's what I've been saying. Why don't we in America, in the United States, like just use bidets more? It's healthier anyway. We may we may start using them more after this. Who yeah. knows? Yeah, was eighty dollars. So it's like, yep, buying that. It doesn't have to have electric. Or anything so I was like heck yeah I can hook it up it'll be great you know well, one of the ladies guys. who works with me at the FBO was uh, loading her groceries into the car the other day and somebody tried to steal her toilet paper out of her cart oh <laughs> my gosh yeah that's kind of what scares me in all of this is like what crazy things are gonna come of it and and that's why I'm like well I guess I'll just be in my house for the next two weeks so if anybody wants to Skype me I'll be over here <laughs> yeah but yeah, yeah I, I, it'll all work out. You know, it's we'll look back on it and be like, you know what? Do you remember when? <laughs> right. Yeah. yeah. We'll, we'll, we'll survive. We'll yeah. make it. Yeah. yeah. All right, girls. Thank I will you. see you later. Thank you again, Anaya. Bye, guys. Love and airplanes. Okay. <laughs> yes. Bye. Bye. been listening to cockpits and cocktails with your hosts natalie fly girl kelly and fly Alyssa. subscribe wherever you get your podcast and join us next time for a lively discussion on aviation aerospace the air travel industry and all things flight related yeah, and I